What's up, 9 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining us. Can we give it up for all of our family that's watching with us online right now? We love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us in your home, in the car, wherever you are. If you're in the car, please keep your eyes on the road. Appreciate it anyways. Uh, we're excited. We're in a series that we started last weekend called At the Core. And uh, we're talking about some of the things that are really, really important to us as a church. And we're talking about the values that kind of drive everything that we do as a church. But also, we believe that these are values that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, they should be uh, embodied in your life, not just once a week, but every single day of your life, you, these, these values. Values should be lived out personally because it's not just a corporate thing, it's an individual thing. And we, we started this church almost 12 years ago. This September will be 12 years. And we started it with, with an overarching mission. Uh, and it's this, is we wanna make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. It's always been about, man, how do we help create a place and a space where people can experience God, know God, and, and, and follow him all the days of their lives. And so everything we do has been based on some values that help drive the mission of who we are as a church. And here's what I know about values. Values are an important thing in everybody's life because your values, what they do is they drive your decisions and your decisions will eventually lead you to your destinations. And so if you don't like where you're ending up in life, you have to go back to what you actually value and go, am I actually living based on what I value or am I living based on something Else. And so I think it's important that we take some time every couple of years and we just come back and we center around some things that are vital to our faith. And so today to kind of explain uh, the value we're gonna talk about, I, I just wanna talk to some people that I, I know are in this room. How many of you guys have a tendency to lose things kind of on a regular basis? Where am I? Like kind of, like I just lose stuff, I lose important stuff. Okay, there's a lot of us in this service. I'm one of those people. I would call myself a prolific loser of things. Not a prolific loser, but a prolific loser of things. And uh, in particular, there's one thing that I have a tendency to lose a lot, which is not really a good thing, and it is my cell phone. Anybody else ever lose their cell phone? I mean, like, is that not the most uh, chaotic experience when you realize, like, my phone is not just my phone. It has my credit cards. It, it might have my passport in here. It's got, like, every important document and credit card right here. And so this week, I, 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 I didn't really think I lost it. I just told myself I misplaced my phone. Anybody ever done that? Like I misplaced it. I don't remember the place that I put it, but it's, so technically it's lost. And, and I was searching frantically looking for my phone. The problem is, is anytime you lose your phone, you have some issues when you're by yourself because like nobody, you can't go to anybody else, hey, call my phone, and we don't have landlines anymore. Nobody owns one of those, so it's not like I can call myself because I don't even have a phone to call me. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm freaking out, and, and I'm looking everywhere for it, and I've just noticed in life that when you lose things that are important, the more important something is, the, the greater the search intensifies, doesn't it? 
Like if it's not really important, like if it was just a phone uh, without all of my contacts, without all of my phone numbers, without all the ideas that I've written down in my notes section for future sermons, without everything for my Bible study that I put in there, like I would just go and buy another phone because it wouldn't be that important. But based on what the value of that thing is, your search will intensify for that object. And it's not like, like I, I could have just gone, well, you know what, Shayla has a phone, so it doesn't really matter if I have a phone because I've already got one, so it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Based on the value of something, you search harder and harder and harder for it. And have you noticed that you're not thinking about all the things that you still, I wasn't like, you know what? I know where my keys are, so I'm good. Right? You don't even care where your keys are when your phone is lost. Why? Because all that matters is the thing that's lost. The things that are found don't matter at all. The thing that's lost matters most. And church, if you wanna know what God is all about, you have to understand that why Jesus came to this earth. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the Wait, well, what was that word? Lost. Came to seek and save the lost. Didn't keep to come to seek and save the found. Came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came on a search and rescue mission for lost people. What that should do for us that call ourselves Christ followers is that should change our perspective on people. What it means is, is lost people matter to God, therefore those people should matter to us. It's right. so where we get a value that I think is very, very important and critical to our church. We believe that found people, people that have been found by Jesus have an obligation and a responsibility to find people. If you call yourself a Christ follower, you have been brought into the mission of seeking and saving the lost just like Jesus did here on this earth. If you have been found, now it is your responsibility. You have been imparted the awesome opportunity to reach some other people. It's an important thing. A couple years ago, actually about 10 years ago, I got the opportunity to uh, go to Africa for the very first time. And, it, and if, if you spend any time with me, Africa has really tr touched my life in some profound ways. And I, I went to Zimbabwe for the very first time ever going to Africa. And I was there with some pastors and we were doing these pastors conferences for pastors, all these indigenous pastors all over Zimbabwe. And um, we spent like 10 days there doing all these conferences. On the last day, they said, hey, we're gonna have a fun day. And we went uh, from Zimbabwe way in uh, over to uh, Victoria Falls, and we got to experience Victoria Falls, which is one of the eight wonders of the world that's out there. It's where David Livingston discovered these falls. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's one of the most amazing sites, and when we got there, uh, I, I saw and some of the brochures and stuff, some of the different adventure kind of things that they had, and one of the things that they had was bungee jumping off of a bridge that, that is over Victoria Falls, and I thought to myself, man, that 
that sounds like a great idea. One of the things that I've realized is when Shayla does not travel with me, I do stupid things. Anybody, anybody can kind of relate? Like, you need some, some people in your life that keep you from doing stupid. Shayla is my person, but she was not with me, so therefore I saw that. I thought, man, that's a great idea. I started talking to all these other pastors. I'm like, man, we should all go do that. And they're like, yeah, you should go do that, you know? <laughs> You ever have some friends like that, that that are encouraging you to do dumb things but will not do it themselves? And, and so I'm on the ground, I'm talking it up, I'm hyping, I'm like, this can be incredible. I mean, this is the second largest bungee jump in the entire world at the time. It's, it, it's when you bungee jump, you're jumping off the bridge and you're jumping over croc-infested waters. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, that just sounds, that sounds dangerous, doesn't it? It just, it's like, yeah, let's, let's do that in a third world country. And so I'm, I'm talking about, I'm, we're laughing on the ground and I'm like, man, I'm gonna go do this. And I, I go up to the, the top of this bridge and I walk across into another corner. You actually have to go into Nam Namibia to go sign up for this. And I walk in there and there's you know, some 18 year old kid and he's like, hey, I, I need your weight and I need your height because and I was like, why do you need my weight? This is not the moment to lie. I, this is what I learned. <laughs> He's like, that's how we determine which bungee cord we're gonna use for you. I'm like, well, I'm gonna overemphasize my weight right now then, because uh, I wanna make sure that that thing does not snap. <laughs> and, uh, and so we take all these calculations and he walks me out to this bridge and I get in a line and I'm watching people. Uh, they, they tie up your feet and you kind of like hop along up to the, the par and you're just in a line. And, and right as I'm getting ready to, my turn is next, there's a girl that's right in front of me and she hops up and, and when she gets to the edge, she looks over and she starts crying. She's terrified. She's like, I can't do this. And the kid just shoves her off. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that that's allowed by OSHA standards. Oh yeah, we're not in America. And I think to myself, if I'm going to get out, I better get out right now. But then the guy's pushing me forward and I'm like, he ain't pushing me, you know. That's, and I get to the edge and I look over and I was like, oh, that's a lot further down than I imagined. You have a moment where your, your words and your actions, are they going to correlate? Are you just going to talk about doing the thing? Or are you actually going to experience the thing? Are you actually going to dive off and have the thrill of a lifetime. What I learned there is what it means to be a human yo-yo. It's not a good experience. I would not recommend it. I've been, in, I've been in chiropractic things ever since. But here's what I know. At some point, our faith and our words must become our actions and our lives. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The story we're going to look at today is in Mark chapter 4. And what's happening is, is Jesus is probably having one of the most incredible ministry days of his life. He's got record crowds that have shown up to his service. He's seeing healings. He's seeing uh, demons cast out. He's seeing the most miraculous thing. Thousands of people are gathered. It's like one of the most incredible days of his life. And it's getting near the end of the day. People are everywhere. It's, it's, what, it's what you would look at in life and go, man, this is a perfect day. And in Mark chapter four, starting in verse 35, it says this, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. 
Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So he's having the perfect day. He's having like what many would be considered like the height of his career. And this is what Jesus does. He says, you know what? I'm gonna go over to the other side. And this is what I've learned in life, church, is that you have to leave what's comfortable for what's possible. We gotta be willing to get out of our comfort zone of what we have always known to go to the other side. It would have been really, really easy for Jesus to stay there, but the other side was actually a seven and a half mile boat ride across and 21 miles down the actual uh, uh, body of water right there. It was not an easy journey. It would have been way easier for them to stay in the place where everybody already knew their name, where everybody already experienced the miracles, where everybody had already encountered God. But Jesus said, you know what? We need to go someplace that we've never been. Let's take a risk. And so the question I have for you this morning, church, is this. Do we talk more about God than obeying him? Do we talk more about him than actually obeying him? Like we aren't going to go to heaven one day and have God say, man, thanks so much for talking to all of your friends that already knew me about me. That was awesome. Good job. And many of us, we've sat in connect groups and Bible studies and gone on retreats and we want change and we want to live for God. And we'll hear something like this today and then we'll go right back in the comforts and confines of our routines and wonder why nothing changes. And I've just found that change is a funny thing. It takes change to change. But here's the beautiful backwards thing about risking everything for God. It's not the friends on the ground cutting it up, looking at the brochure, laughing with you that are experiencing life. They're getting to view life, but the only person that actually experiences life is the person that goes up to the bridge and jumps off. It's time for some of us to get to a place that we are going to have to leave the comfortable confines of what we has always known in our life and step out into the impossible that God has for us. And it takes risking everything on God that is invisible. Jesus left the crowds. He left the opportunity for the opportunity to reach what we're gonna find out is one man and that, that we're gonna see here in a second. Think about that. Jesus left tons of people for one person. That is the very heart and character and nature of our God. If you're a follower of Christ, one of the main goals of your life is to look more like Christ. And if Jesus was willing to leave the crowds of what was comfortable for the one that was uncomfortable, what do you think our life should look like? 
We should be wanting and willing to do whatever it takes to see one more reach. And you can just go through the Gospels. You can go back to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, Jesus goes after Peter. Mark chapter 2, Jesus goes after Matthew. Mark chapter 3, Jesus goes after the man with the withered hand. Mark chapter 4, he begins his journey to reach this one man that we're talking about. Verse 37, it says that as as he got in the boat and he said, hey, let's go to the other side. Here's what happens. It says a furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So they get in the boat and they start going to the other side. And you need to know this, that when you're going to the other side, that there is no obstacle that you're going to face that is too big for Jesus. There's no obstacle that is too big for him. And I think the reason that we don't pursue the one that matters to God, that is far from God, that is lost from God, is because we come up with a ton of reasons why it won't work for us. What if they reject what I'm telling them? What if they think that I'm one of those hippie, Bible-thumping Christian people? Like, like what, 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 they, what if they don't wanna hear about spiritual stuff? And what's happening in that moment is we make a decision for them without ever informing them of the opportunity and the choice that they have to change their life. And the reason we make that decision for them, it has nothing really to do with them and everything based on our insecurities in our fear, in our lack that we see within ourselves. And Jesus, he goes, man, listen, I'm gonna go through the storm. I'm gonna go through the obstacle in pursuit of the one man. And I hear people all the time, they tell me, man, you know what, TJ, I found God. I just want you to know, you never found God because God was never lost. You were lost. See, God was searching for you. He was looking for you. He was leading you. He was bringing you to a place just like some of you may be here today, not going, God, you think, well, I might have just stumbled into church. No, 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 you didn't. Jesus has been pursuing you every day of your life because you were lost and he wants you found. And he's willing to go through whatever obstacle is necessary for you to find him. And I just want you to know he is coming after you today. It says in, verse, in chapter five, verse one, it says they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and I just wanna stop right there. The fact that Jesus would cross over to this area is crazy because it's a Gentile area, it's a hostile area. No Jewish person would, would put themselves within the vicinity of, of a Gentile person, especially a Jewish rabbi. And For a Jewish rabbi to have an encounter with a Gentile would have been a terrible situation. In fact, it would have made him ceremoniously unclean which would have meant that like, he would have never had that encounter. But yet Jesus says, man, he goes, man, I'm gonna go across. He did the opposite thing of what society was telling him to do. He went the path less traveled to a city that nobody wanted to go to. 
Jesus is implying and he's saying to us today that we should be willing to cross over whatever barriers and obstacles that are necessary to reach people that are far from God. Jesus did not model a safe proclamation of the gospel. He modeled a life that was willing to risk it all, all the way to death. I know that that kind of goes against our safety and security model of Christianity here in America, but the gospel is actually dangerous. It says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Freed often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. People think that cutting happened. It started to happen in the 2000s with teenagers. Man, people have been cutting for 2,000 years. He was a man that was crazy. I mean, think about this guy is breaking chains. They cannot subdue him. They say he is demon possessed. And Jesus goes to this place. And listen, this guy did not need a support group. He did not need government help. He did not need a, a psychologist in this moment. You know what this man needed? He needed a miracle from God. And what so many people in and around our lives need it is not a support group, not a friend. They need a miracle from the living God who can touch them and change them and transform them. And God wants to actually use you to help be a part of that miracle. Like he's sending you and I to the other side. That means we're gonna have to cross some racial lines. That means we're gonna have to cross some political lines. That means we're gonna have to cross some, some vaccine, not vaccine lines. Whatever your line is, it doesn't matter. Why? Because people matter to God, therefore they should matter to us even if they don't think and act and look and believe like us. Why would they if they have not encountered Jesus? We're putting expectations on people over rules that they don't even know about yet because they never had an encounter with the living God. That sounds pretty ignorant on us. Well, you should be living this way. Why, they've never been taught that. They've never encountered Jesus in the unconditional love of the Father. Why would they love unconditionally? Well, they should just know. No, they only know through your life of unconditional love. Maybe that's why they don't know yet. Oh, it just got real in here, didn't it? So this man's demon-possessed, Jesus gets out of the boat, has an encounter with this man. The demon's basically asking, we go in those pigs, and Jesus is like, peace out. And they go in the pigs, they run off the cliff. The people from the town come, and they're like, what in the world has happened? They see this man that was once crazy and wild and breaking chains and cutting himself, fully clothed, sitting sane with Jesus, and they freak out. because they saw the impossible in reality. And basically, they asked Jesus to leave, and as Jesus is leaving in verse 18, it says, as Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And it says, Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus says to this man, go home. Now, here is what is significant about this, because up until this point, Jesus, after he performed a miracle, told everybody, hey, don't tell anybody. 
And for the very first time, Jesus says, hey, go tell everybody. In other words, this is the first missionary that was ever sent out to reach people from Jesus. He was a Gentile who knew nothing about the Bible. He didn't have all the information. He didn't know all the stories, but what he had was his story. What he had was his encounter with God. And here's what you need to know. One person can make a huge difference. One person can change everything. I'll, I'll explain it to you. Uh, a few years back, my wife and I, we're, we're foodies, and uh, we, we love going and trying different restaurants and different things, and we were down in Miami, and we stumbled into this restaurant called Yardbird. We'd never been there before. Uh, we walked in, and uh, we, we heard... Uh, as we sat down, we, we, this guy next to us was like, man, these chicken and waffles are amazing. And we're like, okay, well, we'll the server comes over. We're like, we'll try these chicken and waffles. We try these chicken and waffles. They're unbelievable. They're the like, best chicken and waffles we've ever had in our lives. They're, they're sweet and they're spicy. I mean, they got some hot sauce and they got some maple bur bourbon uh, syrup with them. You got some spicy pineapple with it. It was unbelievable. We were eating it. We're like, this is awesome. And the guy is eating dessert and he leans over at the end and he says, hey, before before you leave, you gotta make sure you gotta, you gotta try this dessert right here. And I'm like, oh yeah? He's like, yeah, it's, it's the whole reason I came. I thought you came for the chicken waffle. He's like, no, I came for this. And I was like, okay, we're kind of full, but we'll try some dessert. And, and so we order deep fried Oreos. Some of you are like, I've ate deep fried Oreos. They're not that good. You have not eaten deep fried Oreos from Yardbird. I'm just telling you that right now. Let me tell you about these deep fried Oreos. They take an Oreo, probably a double stuff. I'm not really sure. I have not gotten that far into it yet. It's usually in my mouth before I can analyze it. But they take an Oreo, they dip it in donut batter. I said donut batter. They fry it, they pull it out, it's nice and crispy. They put it down, they drizzle chocolate sauce over it, put some powdered sugar on it. Then they have homemade Oreo ice cream. And when you take a bite of this, it's like so good, you'll slap your mama and then you'll backhand her back. I mean, it's like unbelievable. It's a game changer. Changed our life. Anybody wanna go to Yardbird right now? couple people, okay? Now, here's the thing. I just told all of you about Yardbird, and now I have forever changed your life. And here's what's gonna happen. There's gonna be a couple of other services. I already told Saturday night. They went there after service last night. Um, and uh, so over the weekend, a little over a 1,000 adults are gonna hear about Yardbird and they're gonna be forever be changed. And then there's gonna be a couple thousand people that are gonna watch our podcast. So by the end of the night, one person has transformed all of your all's diets to terrible <laughs> in one moment. Why? Because somebody told me and I'm telling you and then you're gonna experience it and you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna go tell somebody else. You're gonna tell somebody else why? Because it's something that impacts your life, and it will impact your life. I'm just letting you know that right now. So this guy, he took Jesus at his word, and he went and he told everyone about what Jesus had done, and check it out. Mark chapter five, verse 20. It says, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. That word Decapolis actually represents, if you were to look it up, it represents a 10-city region, and when they begin to hear his story, they're amazed. And here's what I know about your life. 
is when you will begin to tell your story about how Jesus transformed your life, people will be amazed. And some of you are like, well, I've known God all of my life. I don't have a story. That's an incredible story. You don't want to go through hardship. You don't want to go through pain. This is how I've avoided that all of my life. I encountered Jesus at a young age, and I haven't had to go through all the crap you've gone through. How would you like to have a life without all that crap? Because I'm living it so I know it works. Why? Because your story can change things. This man's story changed things. And so Jesus and the disciples, they leave. And then when they travel back to one of those Decapolis cities, check it out what happens in Mark chapter 6, verse 53. It says, when they crossed over, they landed at the G word there. I don't know how to say that. Somebody does. And anchored there. And I love this because they anchored there. They, they, here's Jesus and the disciples are coming back to this place. They're settling back down in it. And I'm so thankful that as a church, Coastal Community Church, we have always been anchored in as a place that, man, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach one more person for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, we'll do anything short of sin to reach one more person. It says, as soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized Jesus. That's important. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into the villages, towns, and countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace and they begged him to let them even touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Don't miss this. They ran to him to be healed. How did they know about Jesus if they'd never seen him? Like how? Mark chapter five, he met one man who told them all. And they thought to themselves, if Jesus did that for him, what could he do for me? Remember, it's a 10 city region. Mark chapter seven. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. There were some people they brought to him who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. More people in more cities had heard about Jesus. How? One man. What's the point? It shows that you can make a huge difference. You can make a huge difference. Comes back to the testimony of one man. Man, and see, there are people in our lives, every single one of us, that God wants to use us to make a huge difference in their life. And see, we believe the myth that one person can't make a difference. We just buy into it and we just think, wait, my, my, I, I can't make a difference. Let me show you some people who decided, you know what, I'm not gonna buy into the myth, but I'm gonna believe that God can change and transform their lives. Let me show you... Uh, Anthony and Alyssa Hill, they, they actually got invited to our church. They were far from God from another family named the Montalvos that moved away. They came to church. They spent like two or three months here. They were in our DNA class. They gave their life to Christ, transformed their life, transformed their marriage, transformed their kids. Now they, they run our cafe. This was a little over three years ago that they came to church for the first time. Completely transformed. Well, it, it transformed their story so much that they ended up telling a guy named Ricky. Ricky came here. Uh, his life gets completely transformed. He meets God for the very first time in his life. Ricky's got tons of influence. He's one of the co-leaders of the entire uh, Pompano Beach uh, Baseball League for all the little kids that are there. Ricky starts living out his faith and all of a sudden, he, he, the co 
worker that kind of runs the other league, his name is Angel, starts seeing the transformation that's happened in Anthony and Alyssa and Ricky's life and is like, man, I wanna know what this is all about. He starts attending service during the middle of the pandemic online, eventually comes to church, gives his life to Christ. All of them are serving all because somebody had a story and they believed that they could make a huge difference. How about this one? This is Addison and Sylvia. Ricky, you might notice Sylvia because she's out there smiling and waving at people all the time and greeting people as they walk in. And Addison and Sylvia came to our church and started being transformed by God. And they started, they started have building relationships with all kinds of different people. In fact, they, they have a lot of friends that are kind of like in the yachting world and in that whole thing. And so all these people are coming on boats and they're here for a couple months during the season. And they started building relationships with them. And they've, they've invited so many people to church and won so many people. But one of the people they invited was a girl named Frenchie, and Frenchie came to church, never experienced God, came here, was totally transformed. She now serves in our production team, running around with cameras and different things over the weekend, all because they believe that one person can make a huge difference. And then there's a, another family named Eddie and Vicki Berkheimer. You may be seen them before. He's on the parking team. She does kids check-in, incredible, incredible couple. They had, a, they had a neighbor who was a, a single older lady who, who had a dad who would come by. He had, he had lost his wife and they were always kind and they were nice and they were caring and helpful. And this older gentleman, when he lost his wife, was just looking for nice people and he thought to himself, man, the nicest people I know are that Eddie and Vicky people that are next to my daughter. And so Eddie and Vicky, when they saw him the next time, it was right before Easter of 2018, they said, hey, would you come to church with us? And that Easter Sunday of 2018, a guy named Jerry Smith showed up to church at 79 years old, just lost his wife looking for hope, looking for relationship, and you can go ahead and throw Jerry's picture up. Maybe you guys have seen him before. And... Uh, Jerry's life that weekend was completely transformed. After that day and Jerry having an encounter with Jesus, Jerry was never the same. And every single time our church doors were open, somehow Jerry Smith was here. In fact, we name a corner after him. That corner over here, it's called Jerry's Corner. And every single weekend as people would walk in because Jerry encountered some people that were so kind and so nice, he said, man, I, I wanna help people feel loved and invited and people are excited for them to be here and I'm gonna be the kindest person I can be to every single person that walks in and you would, Jerry would give you high fives and Jerry would give you hugs and, and last Sunday afternoon, Jerry Smith went to be with the Lord. But Jerry is in the greatest place he could ever be because one person said, I can make a difference. One person said, you matter to God, therefore you matter to me. Church, every single weekend, there's not a weekend that goes by that a person does not find a relationship with Jesus Christ 
in this place. And, and I hype numbers. I'm not going to lie. I'm a pastor that's all about numbers. Want to know why? Every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. And so I will pimp numbers all day long because it's all about numbers. It's all about, hey, that one was lost and now they're found. Think about this. At one point, one person, you know what they said? They said, you mattered. You mattered. And I'll be willing to do whatever it takes. In fact, I was doing a funeral here yesterday morning for a 63-year-old man that at 12 years old gave his life to Christ because a church decided, man, we're gonna start a bus ministry and they picked him up as a 12-year-old and brought him to church. I actually met the guy that picked him up as a 12-year-old in the 70s and brought him to church. And as I shook this guy's hand, I was like, sir, you made such a huge difference. He's like, but I didn't get him saved. I said, you did the hard part. You got him to church. You did the most difficult thing. You got him to a place where they could encounter God. We're gonna be people that are willing to go through the objections and the, all the things that are in our mind and allow God to do his miraculous work through your life. Now, here's what I know is that as I was telling those stories I love how God works because there was a name that popped into your head. There was somebody that you were thinking of that you know is far from God and, and that God has put within your sphere of influence because we all have influence. And here's what I want you to do with that name. I want you to take that name and I want you to write it down. I want you to go home, put it on the mirror in your bathroom. I want you to start praying for that person. Start believing for that person and start looking for opportunities to invest in that person's life because I believe that God has put that person on your heart and in your life for a reason because he wants to help you, use you to seek and to save the lost. He wants to use your life to reach people. See, going back to verse 19, Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I know we want to stay with Jesus and just stay with the holy, healthy people, but Jesus has told you and I that we have to go back to our people and tell our story so they can be a part of his story and be a part of history. And here's what God will do. Romans chapter five, verse six says that just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Just the right time, God's gonna use you to tell your story so they can experience Christ who died for them. Why? Because we believe that found people find people. Church, let's put our words into actions. Let's not just make this a lifestyle of going to church. Let's make it our life to make it hard for people to go to hell so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus. Because that's what God has mandated us to do. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes?
So we close here. God, thank you so much for every man and woman and student that's in this room. God, I pray that as you are bringing people to our mind and bringing people to our thought process, God, that we would not disregard those things, but God, that we would, we would take this as a moment to recognize that, God, you are giving us influence. You're giving us a voice. You've given us a story, no matter what that story looks like, and you want to use our story to impact people. God, I pray that you would give us courage, that you would give us strength, God, that you would give us the fortitude to press into difficult moments and press through all the objections and rejections of life because you want to use our lives just like you used your son's life to make a difference in other people. God, I pray that you would give us divine appointments, divine conversations, divine opportunities to share your love with other people. And I, I would be remiss not to give this opportunity. Maybe you're in here today and you have never had an encounter with God that was willing to go to the other side just for you. He's willing to leave all the people that have been found just to find you in the middle of your brokenness and your hurt and your pain. And he wants to, you to experience healing today. He wants you to experience restoration uh, coming to your senses, just like this man in the story. And maybe you need to experience not rules or religion, but a relationship with a God that loved you so much that he was willing to not only cross over the other side from heaven to earth, but was willing to lay down his life on the cross of Calvary so that you could experience life and have it more abundantly. If that's you in here today, maybe you need to come and experience that relationship for the first time or the first time in a long time. It starts with a simple yet significant prayer. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you and, and lead you in that simple yet significant prayer. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip your hand up if that's you here today. Everybody that's watching online, if that's you, you can just go ahead and put a hand emoji up in that, that column. And here's what I would have you do. I'd have you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud and say, God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash them white as snow. Come into my heart take over. I want you to not only rule, but I want you to reign in my life. Lead God and direct me all the days of my life. Help me to follow you. Fill my life with your love, your joy, your peace. Use my story as a part of your story to impact others. I, God, I want you to change me from the inside out. God, I love you in this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. <laughs>